0: This is episode 3-6 of Free as in Freedom for Tuesday, December 18th, 2012. i Sandler.
1: And I'm Bradley Kuhn.
0: And this is Free as in Freedom.
1: So, uh, so I was looking at our listener data. Okay. Uh, we only have basically 1,000 regular listeners now.
0: Oh, I see. So it's come down from...
1: Yeah. It ha- Well, I mean, if you look at the... Did
0: it, was it a, is it a slow decline? Or did it just that when we came away from... When we stopped being the Software Freedom Law Show...
1: Well that was a decline of like thirty five hundred down yeah, to twenty five hundred. Right. That we lost a oh, thousand people. I see, easy. I see. But over time, basically the only episodes that get more than a thousand these days are episodes which have some other hook. Uh, for example, the talk that Mike Linksfair gave at Fosdim got a lot of hits because he linked to it from his blog right. and there was uh, that's how I presume. There have been
0: a few a few episodes like at the Stefano um, Zaccaroli's Stefano, interview. Uh, the one with Adam Dingle.
1: Oh, that was an older one. I didn't check that one, but yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so I was looking at the more recent. Well,
0: ones. I recorded the one with Zach and the one with Adam at the same during the same week. Yeah,
1: but we released them pretty. Oh, far did we? Apart in the end. I okay. don't really think so. Okay. Hey, well, Adam. Uh, I guess this is sad to say, but Adam's was not as popular, as <laughs> Um by far. I think. Right. Well, I was looking at the ones that were either recent or way at the top in numbers. That's what I was looking at. Right. I didn't see Adam Dingles okay. at way at the top, so sorry, Adam. <laughs> You're just a regular episode, Stephano, You were special. Right. So it was my links fair. Anyway, so I was asking on IRC today if uh, f- uh, a week before our release here, if folks had ideas. Of course, it's kind of silly to ask our regular diehard listeners. I honestly think about... that
0: a thousand listeners is awesome.
1: It's very good. I uh, in the free th- software and world. Absolutely worth doing the show with a thousand people. The thing is, it's been we're not growing. Our community is not growing. We have we have community problems. Our community is set at its size, and it's been this way for a while now, and it's not growing for almost for basically a year or more.
0: But you would kind of expect that from the kind of show that we have.
1: I agree, but the the issue is that we've – so a lot of these podcasts that are very long and, and they sort of have a listener base and people are expecting certain things. And the question is is whether we should we, – we always kept it short in part so we wouldn't turn into that.
0: Maybe we need to be more sensational.
1: I suppose, uh, so, so Warp, uh, one of our longtime dedicated listeners who listens to a lot of different shows, said that a lot of shows have segments where they're, fi- that they're following some general issue. Like the Linux Outlaws guys have the microwatch thing where they always, anytime it's a Microsoft story. So he was suggesting maybe we should have segments. Okay. Well, like segments in the sense of named segments. I don't know. That was uh, an idea. Oh, I see. Like, a, you know, this is the whatever
0: segment of our show. I guess so. I mean, part of what makes our, I mean, I don't know, our show's a little different.
1: That's so true. we're not just
0: trying to be any old free software oddcast. Um, but
1: those are more popular than us.
0: We don't. We, I got
1: into this for fame. You know that. That's my one vice is that I want to be famous.
0: That's so weird to me.
1: I don't know. I like being
0: famous. Yeah, not, not me so much.
1: Uh, oh, okay.
0: I mean, I don't know. I want to do good work. And so with that, you need to chase fame a little bit because you can't do the work that you want to do if people don't know who you are.
1: That's like in that book, that crazy book that people were reading back in the eighties. Which book? Uh the the N Habits of Highly Effective People I Forget What Number N was.
0: Oh?
1: You know that book? No. That was like one of the self oh, and it was it's Like, like
0: self promotion was an important part of that?
1: Well no, that do you, you I believe the, the in the terminology of that book you, you increase your sphere of influence? knowledge to increase your sphere of influence, or, or whatever. But basically, you use what you know very well now. I not I don't know the terminology, because this was told to me by Jeff Bailey, who had read it and then was explaining it to me. But basically, you increase your notoriety in a very small area, and then use that notoriety to make yourself be able to influence other areas.
0: Hmm. Interesting. That's the idea.
1: Which yeah. is what uh, Stallman, uh, the reason this, this stuck in my mind is we were talking about RMS and... RMS does this very well. He's used his free software fame sometimes to influence other issues that are important to him. Right. And so he's done a very good job at that from time to time.
0: Well, uh, let me use what minimal influence that I have right now with our listeners to, um, to just say that I'm really excited today. Because today, which is going to be last week by the time this is released... But but today we announced the, the outreach program for women that we've talked about before that GNOME uh, runs but now is, has other organizations joining us. We accepted our interns today, and we have 25 interns across different free software organizations. So I'm super excited about that. It's uh, really cool. across. And well, that's even on the off-season.
1: Well, I mean, I call it the off-season.
0: Yeah, it's the last popular round for sure. So, um, I'm, I'm really excited. It was a lot of fundraising and a lot of, um, organization or, you know, a lot of coordination with different organizations. So I'm really excited about that. And we also announced that, uh, Gnome Asia is going to be in Korea.
1: That's really far away. Yes. But not if you're already in Asia, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, Definitely I guess GNOME Asia, GNOME, Gnome Asia does have to be in Asia, I suppose. It does. But there are places of Asia, places in Asia that are closer than Korea. 'Cause if you go all the way to Western Asia, that's closer.
0: That's I true. I think so. Because
1: you go over the North Pole.
0: Yeah. I you know, I this this is maybe beyond my levels of technology.
1: I'm thinking my first flight to Asia might be Korea. So maybe I'll go. Oh
0: like okay. That. You wanna to go to Gnome Asia?
1: Well I was thinking of going to this thing they're doing in Korea at the end of next year, this licensing thing. They did it this year too. Oh, okay. This Korea free software licensing summit. Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I so they that.
1: invited to me that this year, uh, and the, they might have been really late, like weeks before it was happening, and I, I didn't think I could get on a plane that quickly.
0: Yeah, you always said you wouldn't.
1: I don't. I don't know if like I can. when it, I'm we talked
0: about. Um,
1: I'm freaking scared. Let come up you. Australia. I'm scared. I'm really scared. Australia's even further though. Right. But I'm scared. I'm telling you. But we talked about planes in can... back.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. So
1: I but I, I didn't talk about how scared I was to fly that long. But anyway, right. um, so, I like
0: flying long distances. So I hope I get to go to Gouromeja. I'd be really excited for that.
1: There's actually a direct flight to Seoul from JFK, mm-hmm. but it's on Delta. Right. So you have to fly Delta.
0: Is that the only direct flight? It's the only one it?
1: I saw when I was looking. Oh, okay. Of course, I'm looking for Delta. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see the American one because there's a direct flight to Tokyo every day from an American. It's the only one. Right. So the other way I should go through LAX. Which is, that's the worst, having to, like, lay over. Like, taking what is normally, for me, a normal flight, and then that's just Oh, see, just I love layover. getting
0: laid over in LAX. It's so fun. I have a lot of people there. And especially if I can arrange it overnight.
1: Oh, overnight. Yes, But if I
0: thing. can get even just, like, three hours, I can get someone to meet me for coffee.
1: Oh, okay. But the three hours is worse, because then fun. your whole travel day is, like, 28 hours.
0: So fun. <laughs> kind of anyway, strange. so back to RMS.
1: Well, yeah, because that's where I was. And yes, you had to and actually, I derailed gonna... a
0: little bit because I was so excited to share that. I news. know,
1: but uh, I was all it was all set up, and we didn't. It was all been seamless, like we planned it. I was, I was, I was like, oh. This oh, is see, perfect. but I
0: took advantage of uh, of something you said to work in something I wanted, which felt pretty seamless to me.
1: Well, but that now we have to go back to this topic of RMS writing stuff and spheres of influence and all that because he wrote a blog post about something that's a kind of a crossover issue of that nature that's not just about free software. Right. But about right. spyware.
0: But about spyware.
1: And using free software to implement spyware right. in fact, which is really disturbing. I mean, it's it's not it's not a license I, I violation.
0: You know, it is really disturbing, but it's it's interesting. It's less disturbing than it would be in a proprietary software environment. Um I mean, am yeah. not saying it's any I'm not saying it's not disturbing. I'm, I'm just saying that... Well, that actually we sort of goes see, to one of the fundamental questions. We can see
1: what's happening and of, of we if, can
0: fork where we want to.
1: If people don't... This is actually a point I've made before that's really starting to bother me more and more, which is if people don't have the ability to modify their software, i.e. Right? they don't have the knowledge they need, from their perception, free software and proprietary software are the same thing.
0: On an individual basis, that is true,
1: and that's the point but about on the a societal
0: basis. It is not true.
1: So, uh, so stop gonna... unless yeah. oh, if you we
0: educate should... people about what their choices are. Then people are, then, then consume, people are empowered.
1: They were doing the thing that caused us to lose all those listeners. Sorry, sorry. So, so I, I did it too. It's, it's, we both did it. So the, the, the blog post that we're talking about that, that my colleague RMS made was regarding specifically the spyware in Ubuntu now that's used to basically auto search Amazon on your behalf and store data about your auto search of Amazon, uh, when you want to search your desktop. And this has been talked about heavily on shows like Linux Outlaws. They did a big long review and Fab has a huge rant on multiple episodes of Linux Outlaws about how horrible he thinks this is. Uh, from a, just a user interface perspective, he talks about how he went to search for terminal and it gave him a, it gave him a video of a porn star in.
0: <laughs> what?
1: Yeah. In, 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 oh my gosh. In, 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 some, some porn star in. Somewhere, I forget where she's from, she has T-E-R-M in her name somewhere, the string. And the oh, game, wow. She came up when you searched for to get the terminal started Um in Ubuntu. Wow. Yeah. So, um and it was actually kind of an, a slightly not safe for work kind of link, too, which was the funniest part. Was the, like there
0: are a thing. couple of not safe for work elements to this story. Yeah. Cause so there's, there's something, because one of the reactions, oh, okay, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. Okay.
1: So, um, well, anyway, that's, uh, people should read the blog ghost link to it in the show notes, but the argument is basically that it's 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 bad to use free software in this way, because free software, in part, it helps users protect themselves from these sort of things. And that's sort of what I was getting to this. One of the worst parts about the Ubuntu thing is it's not a click-off option. You have to modify the source code to turn right, it off, right. which I could do and you could do, but there are a lot of people who couldn't do that.
0: Yeah, well, they, say, uh, right,
1: right. And that's what I worry about is the users who, cause, cause Ubuntu's goal, Canonical's goal is to market Ubuntu to users who don't have a programming background. And if oh, they're right, marketing absolutely. this to them and then they get, well, they get, is, li- they get quote Linux right. unquote and they think that it's right. a spyware thing.
0: Right, right. Well, this is the thing, right? This is, this is the issue when you have a free software project or distribution that is run by a single company. Then what's driving the decisions behind, uh, you know, behind that project are actually in the interest of the company. And there is no really, like, truly, like, public or or, or true community type of decision making. And that's the case with Ubuntu. It's, you know, the key decisions are made by Canonical. Well, it's
1: gotten even worse because they've, they've been becoming stricter and stricter about not vetting decisions to the community. And there's been a lot of press about this, that they've worked harder. To try and avoid consulting their their own community process about decisions, and this is a perfect example technology.
0: of that, you know, of, of of what that feels like is that decisions are made and uh, and it it's basically you know handed down. And, and you know, I have to say that there's been some success around that because I think that Canonical, in some ways, has been able to um, to accomplish some things quickly because they didn't have to consult with the community. They are making the decisions. They are. Um, you know, calling the shots in that way. So, you know, there are advantages to it. But from a free software community perspective, there are huge disadvantages to that. And, you know, I mean, this is one of the things that I like to talk about at GNOME because GNOME is truly a community project. While we have, um, you know, companies that are invested in the software, they, you know, these companies work together. And you can see when you look at, for example, our board of directors that, you know, no company holds any control. Um, well, so, also
1: your board of, uh, this is different from other free software orgs, including the ones that I'm affiliated with, but your board is actually elected by, a commu- right. by community contributors. I know I vote in yep. the elections. And
0: so. actually we right now, as of, as of last week, we now have two people working at the same company. Um, but that yeah, was But you don't have a
1: rule about that. But that we do
0: all. have a rule. Oh, you do? Yeah, we have a limit.
1: Oh, okay. So two that. is that's the most. Cool. We, yeah. Oh, of
0: course. I mean, that's exactly it. We have good governance. So I'm you know, um,
1: actually, that, uh, this is kind of an off-topic question from what we were just talking about, but I'm curious, what, what happens when the elections occur and then just, uh, it just drops to the next person who wins in the election? That they basically. So it
0: hasn't, I, as far as I know, it hasn't occurred yet. Where okay. where the election's
1: so, actually pretty Where the election, uh, exactly. Board.
0: Yeah. But I think that's what happens. Yeah. 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 I, I'm pretty sure that's in the, in the, I was looking at the rules. Yeah, pretty but close it's to also an time.
1: unexercised. Clause. Yeah. And I think it.
0: that what happens if, um, uh, if the board in the past, I think it did happen that somebody moved, changed company affiliations during the term. Yeah. I remember that. Um, and then I think people just discuss who should step down. Yeah. Um,
1: so, so. um, so, yeah, oh. actually, some of our conservancy projects have the same thing for the conservancy committees. Um, right. They actually, a Selenium project has a very strict rule where that's seniority-based, and as soon as somebody switches... Oh, like, well, the I person, remember that. The person, like, loses yeah. whoever's the least seniority, just their seat disappears, their seat Amazing. evaporates. Which is, yeah. I mean, it's a pretty hard, strict rule. I mean, I didn't mind it because it, it solves the problem right away, but it, it could be pretty painful for somebody who... Forgets that and then switches jobs and like, what? I lose my seat on the Selenium committee? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think you have to be familiar with the rules of an organization when you become a board member. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I think that this is for me, this was like the sort of reading Richard's post. This is the, you know, one of the things that really struck me right away, you know, that, that the real advantages to developing in a community nonprofit way, the way that GNOME does with, you know, uh, without one company being in charge, is that you you tend not to get into these situations in the same kind of way?
1: Yeah, and, and we do a lot of working conservancy to make sure when we accept a project that it's not we're just being uh, we're not being a shill for some company. Uh, we get frequently requests from companies. I I, I famously blogged about that. I fin- I finally blogged about this publicly that Nokia, or Nokia, however you're supposed to say, I don't really care. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, whatever. I, I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, like, I care about this company anymore. Uh, but they uh, they would frequently email me. Oh, we have this project. We want to we want to throw it over the wall. I mean, they would use those words. That would be the words I used in my response Into the conservancy, and I'd be like, you can't just use conservancy as a way to get your project and give it credibility. And and they've done such a bad job at trying to spin projects out and symbian. Uh, I blogged about this too publicly. The symbian. Foundation was not really that. It was this weird trade association scenario that nobody wanted to fund anymore and then it d- evaporated. So you can't make free software projects that way that will survive. It, I think one of the, one of the interesting things that I think, I'm glad to see RMS writing this actually because this is a thing that he and I have debated privately. Um, he, he, he's very focused many times on the license of the project being the most important thing in the sense that, that a project is free software and you observe software freedom at a moment in time of a license of a code base. Like RMS really often oh, sees yeah, free software support, this way. Um, right. And I think this blog post is sort of showing that he's starting to come away. of I, mean, I guess I feel good about this because to my way of thinking of it, that, that I, and it took me a time to get used to this, but actually there's other factors that sort of determine the longevity of the software freedom. Because yeah, Because while Ubuntu is free software and it's out there as free software and you can modify it to remove these things, the, uh, at any moment in time, you could sort of observe it as free software that you could change, but the, the, the global impact, if you will, of Ubuntu being released, it maybe has some real negative consequences because it's associating a, a free software system with this spyware that's hard to remove, even if you do modify the source code.
0: Sorry, I was just, uh, um, looking at, uh, at Stallman's post again. Um, Saying that he, you know, that that the version can be corrected so that the malicious version is rejected.
1: Yeah, that was my point. Yeah. But but the problem is 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 if there's no if, if there's limited. But he says, but
0: not it. always.
1: Yeah. So I mean,
0: that's what you were saying. Yeah,
1: sort of recognizing
0: that. So I, I was actually really surprised about the um, about Mark Shuttleworth's reaction to Stallman's post. I mean, I actually I assume it was the reaction to Mark Shuttleworth. I hadn't, to Stallman's post.
1: Well, okay, I hadn't read. The Shuttleworth right because I read the John O'Bacon answer. You're not Wait, talking about it, the John O'Bacon answer, No, no,
0: right? no. It wasn't even. It was a. Uh, it was um, in that Slashdot uh, piece. I guess you didn't see it where uh, Mark well, Shuttleworth people, answers
1: your questions. People still read Slashdot.
0: <laughs> I, mean,
1: I, don't, I don't normally read Slashdot, so it was one of these. It must have been one of these interviews I did one of these interviews. Yeah, years ago. it was
0: one of these like you know, ask Mark Shuttleworth your questions, and so yeah. people people wrote in their questions, and he he doesn't refer to it directly, but it was only two days later, and he he he. I think in. Thinly veiled fashion calls stallman something.
1: Calls him. Well, you don't want to say it. Is that the issue? I'll
0: show you the text really okay. quickly on the screen. Well, I'll, okay, I'll, there it is. Okay, Do you I'm, see quoting, it? I'm quoting.
1: I'm quoting. I want to be clear. I'm quoting from something Mark Shuttleworth said on Slashdot. Uh, I don't want to
0: use. There are a couple of cuss words in this interview. I might okay. add.
1: Okay. All right. So I'm quoting Shuttleworth in this Slashdot interview. Says, quote, "If you think you'll convince people to see things your way by ranting and being a dick." Well, then you have much more to learn than I can possibly bother to spend time teaching, unquote. And so your your argument is that maybe he, he was in sort of a thinly veiled way responding to RMS's comments.
0: I think so. That whole I mean, it, there's more there's a little bit more above it. Um, I just showed you that particular quote. Um, but I, I think that, uh, where he
1: says, he says, he he says he, he doesn't like McCarthyism, people mm -hmm. who rant about proprietary. Oh, right. Yeah. I think I agree with you now because in the beginning of that section, Shuttleworth says, quote, well, I feel the way, same way about this, uh, referring to the question as I do about McCarthyism. The people who rant about proprietary software are basically insecure about their own beliefs. And it's that fear that makes them so nastily critical, unquote.
0: Yeah, and this um, was just two days later.
1: Yeah, and, and so and so obviously I have to agree with you. He's 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 really referring to Stallman there. I mean, I I I think that that's I mean obviously name calling. That's
0: worse than saying childish. <laughs> well,
1: yeah, it's worse than what Jono said, but also it's I mean it's certainly certainly so much beyond anything Stallman, He's 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 basically comparing the FSF to McCarthyism. It's it's pretty bad.
0: I think so, but um, I you know.
1: I mean, it's and 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 certainly. I mean, this is sort of my point about him is that I, I don't think. I mean, basically, he's he's saying people who have a, a fundamental belief that the proprietary software is harmful that basically they're insecure people and that's why they. Well, believe I
0: don't. That. I, I guess so. Maybe I, I, I'm trying to remember because I can't reread everything quickly yeah, of course, now. But. but I think he's actually just saying that free software will ultimately win, and it, the if the best way to get companies to free software is by you know, proprietary drivers and things like that, then it's worth it. So, I mean, there was some nuance to what he was saying. I, I don't disagree with you. I was very shocked by reading this. I was also surprised well, that he... Well, I am
1: not shocked because this is the same guy who stood up at a keynote at the first LinuxCon and said "and some, uh, well, a lot of people get involved in in software development to get girls.
0: It's so funny and disturbing all at once. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bad.
1: <laughs> but the point that it's, it's, it's more disturbing than funny, really. But I, I think it's... I mean, basically, this, this guy is, I mean, he's not very, he's not a very nice person. I mean, he doesn't act nice anyway.
0: Oh, well, I don't, I mean, I don't know about that. I, I do believe that he's ideologically driven.
1: I don't think so. I, I really don't think so. I, I think, I think that he's driven by promoting his company, and that's sort of what the fundamental thing that he's trying to do.
0: Well, I think one of the interesting things that, um, one of the things that I noticed in this article, um, was he also referred to Gnome. Um, and he, he referred to being pushed out of the community and he referred to, um, to him, to, uh, him rising above petty politics, I think is the way he put it and, um, and pressing on for what he believed in. And it's funny to me because I think, you know, I sort of, I I wasn't involved then, so you can probably speak better to it than me, but, um, actually he accuses Gnome of what I, you know, sort of, I think the reverse is, is sort of true in that, you know, I think it's you know, it's funny to see see someone saying that the company is 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 you know pursuing the ideological motives and not the you know nonprofit community, which is you know several companies.
1: Yeah, and I, well, but I think that his I, I, yeah, I was around GNOME at the time, and I don't think that I, I think that basically it wasn't it wasn't a developer-driven contribution in some sense and that's that's sort of the problem with canonical is that they don't want to assign developers and say developers you have the freedom to decide what things look like and so forth basically mark wants to decide himself i was told this as far back as the launchpad days that basically decisions were made in launchpad that that basically mark just said that has to be this way and this is the way i want it and this is the way it's going to be and 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 basically it wasn't a free software project in the cultural sense but I also want to make sure we talk about, in addition to Shuttleworth's comments, what John O'Bacon had said in his blog post. Uh, John O coming out and, and saying uh, you know, tell, saying Stallman's comments are childish, which uh, people, people can say that, that, that various things RMS does in, in a moment are childish, like interactions. And I've heard people criticize him, and it, sometimes it's a valid criticism in his personal actions. But everything I've ever read him writing... As far as like a like a formal essay of any kind? Like I've never known him to so have actually, any sort of childish behavior in his writing. I actually wanted to ask sees, you, yeah. does
0: Stalin have have systemat always have somebody read his writings before he publishes them? Or like did he write this before did he publish this without having anybody he, read it? I can tell It's not as I'd say he's an excellent writer, I think, and mm-hmm. this isn't I, this isn't as good as it normally as he normally is from oh, a really? a stylistic way um
1: I think I think it could be he wanted to get out of it quickly. um I will tell you that he did not he sometimes sends essays to me like he picks people that he thinks are on he picks yeah. people who are experts on a particular topic. Um, he probably didn't remember that I had written a lot about Ubuntu and, and the problems with it um, I told him I had but he probably but quite frankly he just probably forgot because um, he probably would have sent it to me I'm sure he did send it to people he pretty much always does Okay. he may have done this in a tight time frame uh, there are essays <laughs> frankly there are <laughs> I shouldn't say this to the world because people who like Stallman's writing be mad at me there are essays that, that are delayed that Stallman wants to publish that he's waiting for comments from various people on mm. and I am actually That's a blocker really on some of those That's <laughs> and really so smart. for those of you who enjoy RMS is writing. Uh, there are essays that exist that are delayed, and it's my fault. Uh, and it's not only my fault, fortunately, but there are multiple of us who haven't had time to sort of read and 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 give him comments on essays that have been and they get sort of delayed for a long time. Well, because I think
0: there was one p- one paragraph in the in his post that had a childish like um, segue. Like, I it's the only thing. It was just not a very smooth segue, and it mm. sounded like you know, but it it wasn't what Jonna was complaining about. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, and
1: I think that this, I think what's happened to Canonical. Not
0: childish, just a little less sophisticated. Sorry.
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's what's happened to Canonical. And what I've watched happen because, because I, because, you know, I've, I've been around the free software community since before Canonical even existed. Obviously I was executive director of FSF before Canonical came into existence. And so I watched it the whole time. And, I, obviously lots of free software people have gone to work there and left and some have stayed and, and basically what I see now is the ones who have stayed are the ones who are really good at making sure that they can just work on what they want to work on and not be influenced mm. by the company politics. But those people who are being pressured by company politics for various reasons I have all basically left.
0: I think there um, are a lot of good people at Canonical. Yeah, but I think
1: the ones who are still there are the ones who have spent their careers carefully being in companies, mm. making sure they could work on whatever free software they wanted to. The ones, The ones who are basically good corporate free software politicians are able to stay because if you're a good corporate free – call, in sort of the Jeremy Allison sense, these people who go to work for companies and and as Jeremy would say, and he would say rudely, you know, F you, I'm going to work on what I think is most important for my free software project. If you want to fire me, you can, but I'm here because I'm doing that. And he says that about Google all the time. He said that about Novell when he was at Novell. And so I think, um, I think those people who are good at doing that, um, have been able to stay at Canonical even through these, what are are probably turbulent times inside the company. But even people like, uh, that, that, that are not even developers are leaving, um, are, are taking this moment to leave because I think, I think the company is kind of turned into somewhat of a, of a, it's trying to promote itself more than it's trying to promote free software. That, that I think, has been true for a very long time. Well, but that's what but companies are about. Beyond. It's gone, But it's gone way beyond. Like companies
0: rise above when they work together because their yeah. common interests are the ones that are promoting free software. Mm-hmm. Their individual oh, interests are not. That's why it's much better. To, I mean, that's why I think GNOME is so special. And, and, yeah, I agree like with communities theory. like that.
1: Well, yeah, I think I think GNOME's not the only example, although it's an example. No, no, of no. You no.
0: Well, I um, mean, so it's it's just that you know, actually I did submit a talk to FOSDEM. That, uh, it looks like it's not getting accepted, which is you know, which I had also intended to give at OSCON this past time about whether uh, whether community driven free software nonprofit development is any different than company driven open source. Yeah. Um, and this is sort of, you know, this is exactly the kind of thing that I wanted to.
1: Well, talk I mean, about. And, but see, the interesting thing to me are the more subtle differences, which I think you were going to talk about. I was going to point out that I haven't been so critical of Canonical publicly, not because they're giving anybody money to conservancy, because they sure as heck aren't. I've, I've asked them many times. They're just not interested, because uh, basically I don't think Shuttleworth likes me all that much and whatever. Um, and not since I'm the one asking. Um, but, uh, the, the reason I haven't bothered to be critical of them is not because I was fundraising from them, but because I, I, it, I felt like I was kicking them when they were down. I, I I think that Canonical has really basically done themselves in by these kinds of, th- these kinds of decisions that are just unbelievably bad for free software. And this is sort of what Fab went on about on Linux Outlaws that how, how can they possibly be making enough money from the Amazon affiliate agreement that they feel that they, that it's worth it for them to take all this political hit to make the user interface worse, all these things that they're well, doing. it's
0: because data aggregation is where the money is. Full but, stop. But are they regardless gonna get, of what? Who's paying The them. tie-in with Amazon collecting that data is ultimately the business model.
1: So that so actually, do you think Canonical thinks they can sell the data to somebody other than Amazon once they collect Potentially, it? Potentially,
0: right? Okay. Or I don't know. I guess. Or just it's thinking- speculative though. Well, I mean, if, talk to Bitly. You know, like, I, I, it's just.
1: Or Facebook, or any of these people. Or Google. Who, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, but the thing is, is Google, Google. I didn't throw Google in there because they 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 kind of planned that business model from the scratch, and so did Facebook for that matter. They had this plan from the scratch. I mean, a, a Canonical shoehorned this in, basically imitating Facebook and Google and whoever as as controlling. You know, if if you if 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 you have a user, well, who's they're a trying
0: to make a viable business model out of their company. Mm. I mean, I, I don't fault them for that. I just you know, but but. That's, that's, this is the kind of thing that you, that sometimes happens.
1: Well, but see, I mean, I think, I think this, and this is where I think your point about, um, about free software is really important because I, I think that, Serve the business model above all else, I think is part of what gives us this horribleness. It's, it's, it's that, it's that making a profit is the most important thing and, and you can serve that above all else. Um, I actually want to tie this into, um, because I actually made two points that were actually in this thing I saw, uh, which, uh, was an article by, uh, by somebody on CNN.com, um, uh, talking about, um, and basically an advocacy campaign towards trying to get young people to get excited about programming um and uh the person writing is is uh, Douglas Rushkoff do you know this guy i don't know Mm-mm. him at all but he made actually two points in there that we've actually made here one of which was the point i made early about how it's important that that people to feel like they're in control of their computers to be able to 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 change the, the, if you're kind of helpless because proprietary software and free software is the same if you don't know how to change the code. So he's advocating for teaching more programming to young people awesome. to get people involved in, in, in programming. Um, and he actually makes the other quote that I've heard this a lot. This is not the first place I heard this about how folks don't understand that when you're, you're using some system, some software system. That if you're you're not basically if you're you're the product if you're the user and you're just getting the service for free. Facebook the 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 product that Facebook is right. selling is its user base to its advertisers. And I, I think I think if people start to perceive computing as that, it's really dangerous. And this guy had brought this up and focused much more on teaching people to code. I disagree with a couple of things he said, but the general idea I think is important that that the where he his first point is that. Um, that people don't learn language just to read, they learn language to write. And right. we're learning computers to be consumers, uh, and that's a problem. And we should learn computers that's to be That's a really interesting point. Yeah. And so I, I think, I mean, I think Canonical, and I think, I think Shuttleworth sees it that way. I mean, I think he thinks, I perceive him as a person who believes, I mean, I'm putting all these weird words around it because this is, I don't have facts to back this up, but, I perceive him as a person who thinks I know better what to do, and you should just follow me. Well, this me is and one I of
0: the awesome things about Sugar Labs and their philosophy on bringing code to kids, mm-hmm. um, because their their whole the whole thing is that everything should be accessible, and there should be like a you know Walter very eloquently talks about the crash zone, uh, the crumple zone, um, and you know and 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 bringing you know the the source code you know, directly into it and to to, to think, put, you know, to give that credit to, to users, even when they're, especially when they're kids. Um, now, you know, I'm sort of of the attitude and part of the reason why I went to Gnome was that I really do think that it's really important that we make computers extremely easy to use, um, and to do it without creating hurdles. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: well, and, and I think to tie that into the point about knowing better, I think I think you mentioned Walter Bender of Sugar Labs, which is a conservancy project I should mm-hmm. mention. That oh, yeah, I should have mentioned about. that. I, um, the, Walter, uh, what, what, uh, this ties into this point that I'm making about Shuttleworth, and Walter is a juxtaposition to that because because th- this relates to this idea of knowing better. I think Sugar Labs as a project doesn't believe it knows better than the students it's trying to help. Uh, Walter said, right. said, I knew I'd been successful when I got my first patch for a from a 14-year-old, but I knew I was even more successful when I had to submit my patch patches for patch review to a 14-year-old.
0: <laughs> so great. I love I love the stats that he has on that. It's amazing. Yeah, and, and so, He's and had so a the, lot of yeah, success. And,
1: and, and I, I mean, I think that, that this kind of engagement, I mean, Sugar Labs is using it specifically to outreach to the K through 12 sector of, of, of the world, really. But the general idea that we should be encouraging people to program, like you do with Outreach for Women, Outreach Program for mm-hmm. Women, all, all these different things that are trying to get people involved in contributing, I mean, that's a, a core part of free software. Uh, and I think that, 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 Canonical doesn't see that anymore. And, and it, and it's become this really disturbing thing that, 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 well, I, mean, I I don't, I, don't know. I mean, I, I think it's, but, but the, the interesting thing about it is it's so evident that it's bad, right? That everybody's like, why, why would you integrate Amazon? This is horrible. It's horrible user interface. It's horrible on so many levels.
0: Well, this is like, you know, when I was talking, well, I went to UDS, um, two UDSs ago. And I wound up, um, you know, I, I was actually, my travel was funded by Canonical To Go. And as I sat in the, you know, I, I decided, uh, you know, you could, you could, I could have probably had my own room, but I was really excited to be paired up with somebody else who is being sponsored by Canonical To Go, who is not a Canonical employee. And, um, you know, I had an interesting, I had a number of interesting conversations with the woman that I shared with. And um, and one of the things that she said when I sort of started talking about, you know, about this whole idea of su- Prop, you know, using this kind of community to prop up a company. And, you know, I mean, because the, there are a lot, plenty of people who are sponsored to go to UDS by Canonical who are not Canonical employees, people who are spending their free time contributing to Ubuntu because they believe in Ubuntu. Uh, and I sort of said, well, you know, why, why do that when there's GNOME? You know, GNOME is truly a nonprofit community. You're not just, we're not asking for copyright assignment. You know, we're not holding the, the threat of proprietorization. And, you know, again, I'm not saying, I really don't want to say anything bad about Canonical because I, I do think that there's a lot of good there and they're a participant in the community. But I really just wanted to understand a little bit more why, you know, how, what the thought process was. And the, it, in the end, the answer came down what to, well, that's where my friends are. So it was a really sort of an interesting conclusion. Like that's where my friends are. So that's the community that I built. And I, you know, and now I'm, I'm sort of, I'm invested.
1: Mm-hmm
0: so you know
1: okay so um so we, i think uh, i think we we probably beat this issue to death i suppose we, we I, and one of the things we did we tied in a lot of different issues i think but i think a lot of things are uh, i mean i brought a lot of different stuff in because i think that they fit in some sense uh because i think this issue of empowerment of people programming fits in with the way people perceive their operating system and the way free software communities perceive themselves I think all those things are tied into each other
0: yeah no I think so too I mean' I, we hit on a, this is part of why I when you suggested that we record this as a topic I thought it was a really good one because it's it touches so uh, on so many different things that we talk about generally um, I'm glad that Stallman wrote the his post I think that it 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 really does. Focus in on a particular issue. And I don't know, Jono did say in his comments that while they don't intend to remove it, they tend to improve it so that it's a little bit easier to opt out, but it will remain opt-in.
1: Well, the fact the fact that it's there at all, I just think shows that they're not in connection with a community of users that care about software freedom because most users that care about software freedom only only want that stuff when they install it.
0: I just I guess my point of telling the story about the, uh, you know, that's where my friends are, is that I think that it's there is a lot of momentum behind Ubuntu, and the you know they their their target audience is a little bit different, you know. So mm-hmm. I I don't I don't know whether there is likely to be a fork scenario over this.
1: Yeah, well, I think Ubuntu is a hard project to fork as well. Um, I, I I think that
0: although actually in the Slashdot interview, I think it was in the Slashdot, maybe it was for somewhere else where I read it, it. The the there was a discussion about there being forks. Um, and there being a lot of, a lot of.
1: Yeah, yeah I mean, there's sort of these soft forks. So called flavors yeah, of there's Ubuntu. So soft
0: forks, so. But that, the, there are, there's increased splintering around Ubuntu.
1: Yeah, and I think that's actually a good thing. I, I, well, I don't know. I, maybe it's a good thing. Maybe it's not. I, I'd actually like to see Canonical just go away. Uh, I mean, I mean, I, I frankly think that they're, that, that they've done enough negative things, uh, for free software that they're not really a help.
0: See, I wish we could get them to fold back a little bit closer into the GNOME community.
1: Oh, I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's much, oh, I, the, the behavior that I've seen from Mark Shuttleworth over the years, I just don't think, uh, I think he's a rich guy who wants to do things the way he wants to do them. I don't think he cares that much about free software. I don't see a ton of our difference. I personal between him evaluation
0: and my, of his character and I, yeah. I, I, I have a different feel from him. I, yeah. I really do think that he's trying, that he's trying to do a good I, thing. I don't, Whether I, or not the company winds up doing it is something else.
1: I think if he were if I think if he could have had the opportunities Larry Elson did, he'd just be Larry Elson. I don't I don't really see much difference between Mark Shuttleworth and Larry Ellison. I don't know. I not in character.
0: Do you think he's had a lot of opportunities? I think you know, I think he could have gone a lot of other ways other than Ubuntu.
1: Mm. Uh, but it, it was, I mean, that's where he saw the most opportunity. So that's as a business person, that's why I went for it. Because he's ultimately primarily a business
0: person. Well, so. we could, you know, bicker over what we think about yeah, Mark's true. character. but so, uh, that's, that's
1: true. Well, we until should, we, we
0: get him over for dinner and get to interrogate him a little bit more.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> we won't I, think, know. I think he's kind of afraid of me, which is kind of funny. Like afraid of me as like some sort of loose cannon dangerous thing. Which uh, I think is cool. I'll
0: try to ask him next time I see him. Uh, sure. I, yeah, he doesn't <laughs> talk to me anymore. I don't know. So. Uh, I would be surprised.
1: I'd be surprised if he talks to me again. Yeah, that's true.
0: (laughs) I would be surprised if he's afraid of you. So we had
1: other topics we wanted to get to, but we'll just hold them up for the next episode because I think we got enough out of this, and folks will hopefully listen to the next episode to hear more stuff uh, from us.
0: Yeah. Freedom is produced by Dan Lynch of Pod Factory and can be found at podfactory.org. Thanks to Mike Tarantino for our theme music. This episode of Frees and Freedom is licensed under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 United States License. You can follow FreeAs and Freedom, Bradley and Karen on Identica and also read Bradley's and Karen's blogs. Links can be found on the Frees and Freedom website, faith.us. That's f a i f.us.